Got it. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Uh, my name is John Martinez. I'm with uh, Evident.io. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the changing roles uh, in our organizations having to do with security, compliance, uh, and cloud adoption. So um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it, we're, we're definitely going to go through technical stuff. We're going to go through business stuff. So it's going to be kind of a, uh, a mix of all of that, and maybe some cultural things, too, we'll talk about. Uh, just really quickly, by a show of hands, you know, how many of you guys are like DevOps type people? You like operations, you do some uh, Python coding and stuff like that. How many of you guys are like in the audit world? You guys are auditors. Awesome. Uh, developers? Males? Yeah, a few. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Okay. Click. There we go. So again, uh, I'm John Martinez. I'm uh, the VP of Customer Success at Evident.io. Uh, basically, my background is I've been, I, despite the title, um, I'm actually an engineer. I'm a technical person. I've been doing cloud work uh, since about 2010 um, when I was over at uh, a little AWS user uh, called Netflix. Um, that's where I got the religion of uh, the cloud. Um, you, you really had no choice, right? <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so I've I've been doing I've been doing cloud work for a really long time, um, and you know I enjoy everything having to do with cloud. My current job today has me what I really like about it has me talking to folks about cloud security and and cloud compliance. Uh, I'd like to introduce Matt as well. So Matt, hello everyone. My name is Matt Willman. I'm a principal architect for Jive Software. Um, I have been doing the cloud quite as long as John. Uh, as a matter of fact, my current position, uh, I'm the architect for our FedRAMP certification process. Um, and I kind of fit in everyone's world because we have such a small team. So I do the auditing, I do the DevOps, I do the architecture, and sadly to say, I do a lot of the development as well. Um, and so we've been, uh, you know, my personal experience with the cloud started about four years ago, so much less experience than John. Um, but uh, I'm here to give my perspective on some of the things that uh, John is going to talk about today. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. So at the end of the session, you know, when, when we uh, kind of close up the presentation, um, Matt's here, I'm here. We would absolutely love to hear questions from you guys, if you guys have any questions. Uh, so the, the way this is going to go is that uh, Matt and I are going to talk. I'm going to talk a lot about sort of the cloud adoption and how the models go, et cetera. And Matt's going to kind of give us the perspective from somebody who's actually done it. Um, and so uh, if, anybody, if any of you have done FedRAMP, um, easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you uh, hate everyone you know and want to spend your whole life at work. Yeah. And please, go. Go for a FedRAMP certification. Yeah. How many of you guys have lived through FedRAMP? Just a quick show of hands. Okay. Yeah, okay. everyone who's smiling. <laughs> All right. All right, so uh, first off, um, we're, I, I'm a huge believer that uh, cloud security compliance is a team sport, right? So. It takes a lot of us. I mean, kind of a show by hands. You know, we, we, have, a, we have an interesting mix of DevOps folks and, uh, and auditors here. So we know, and if you've done compliance, you know that it's not just your job, right? It's not just if you're, if you're in SecOps, uh, it's not just you that's responsible for you know, becoming FedRAMP compliant or going through PCI, et cetera, right? So it kind of fills the gamut all the way from you know, the person actually testing um, controls in your environment uh, and reacting and waking up at 3 in the morning for a security incident, et cetera. But it all, it all goes all the way to the, to the C-levels, right? Who, uh, and as we've seen in our industry, right, we've seen people that have had reactions to really large breaches, right? So we know that a lot of our folks are involved in security. A lot of our folks are involved in compliance. So, uh, definitely keep that in mind. You know, we're all part of a team when it comes to uh, dealing with it. So, again, goes without saying, when we all work together, when we all communicate, right, it, it, it can work well. You know, it, it, it really can. So, um, how do we get there, right? So, I'm going to talk a lot about the cloud adoption security, uh, the, the cloud adoption maturity model, okay? So, when we first start, uh, we explore. Just, just really quickly, just how many of you guys are just starting out? You're brand new in AWS. You're kind of checking it out, right? Uh, how many of you guys that are new 
are also not just moving to AWS, but you're also going and we're going through a compliance framework on AWS, right, at the same time. So that's, that's, that's interesting, right? So you get, you get the double whammy, right? <laughs> you get not just the time to go and move your applications, re-architect how you do operations, et cetera, but you're also being compliant at the same time, right? So how do you get there, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Then the next phase we're going to talk about is the actual implementation. You've made your plans. You've drawn it up. Now we're going to go implement. Now we're going to reorganize ourselves into this thing called DevOps, right? Or, or you know, whatever. You know, it's just we, we have to kind of like, it's an organizational kind of change. It's not just adopting cloud computing, right? Uh, and then the third phase in the maturity model that I call is the optimization phase, right? I've, I've implemented my controls. I'm testing against controls. But the third phase is, you know, how do I optimize all of that? How do I automate? How do I make sure the, I'm going to have a question coming up, a little preview here. How do I know where I stand right now in terms of compliance, right? Did that last deployment take me out of compliance? I don't know, right? How do I figure that out? All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, some security challenges. When we're exploring, right, we're looking at visibility. How do I look at my infrastructure? How do I go and test that infrastructure? It's, a, it's about visibility, right? Um, the other challenge is, on the implementation phase, is always being behind, right? You know, as soon as I deploy something, it's already out of compliance. <laughs> you know, because even though I may have my really nice, well-architected cloud formation templates, you know, I've, I've gone through security by design with my AWS folks, you know, and, you know, they've, they've taught me well, but somebody decides to make that change at 2 in the morning to a security group, right? And all of a sudden, port 22 is open to the world, right? So how do I maintain that state? How do I maintain uh, my visibility on the environment? And then the next challenge we run into in the optimization phase is monitoring and enforcement. Okay, I've implemented some monitoring, I've done some automated testing, but how do I go enforce my policies, right? How do I make sure that all of the stuff that I'm monitoring is actually being enforced and staying compliant? All right, so that's, that's on the security side. On the DevOps side, some challenges here, is not knowing what I don't know from the explore, exploration phase. Like maybe I was running in a traditional data center and you know, we had system engineering, we had servers that we had to deal with, you know, and maybe like we're actually moving in phases and I have to be responsible for both environments, right? You know, a lot of us are responsible for both data center environments and cloud environments. How many of you guys are sitting in that sort of seat, right, where you still have to you know, go deal with the servers that are running in the data centers, right? Um, and then another challenge during the implementation phase for DevOps folks is uh, the new workflows. You know, how do I go design my CI CD pipeline so that you know, as soon as the developers are done with the code, it's not like in the old days where they just like throw it over the fence, right? You know, I'm actually, I'm actually designing and I'm actually working through the new workflows, through the new ticketing systems, et cetera. Uh, and then on the optimization phases, automating those workflows, right? Writing all of the code uh, that makes up all of that automation, makes it all flow well, et cetera, right? So those, those are some of the challenges on the DevOps side. So again, remember, think of security during all of these phases, right? So think of the security aspects of it. And finally, on the compliance side, right? Very similar to the DevOps folks, what I don't know, right? I, you know, I'm used to doing compliance in data centers where our organization actually owns the edge, right? Where we can test and we can go gather statistics for you know, things like intrusion detection, network traffic, et cetera, right? Now the cloud is new, right? I, have, I don't have access to some of that stuff. What does the architecture diagram look like? You know, and that was personally one of my challenges with you know, training up uh, an auditor uh, in a previous life is like, okay, you really, you do know here that I'm using auto-scaling on AWS. Things are gonna go like this, right? <laughs> you know, we're always terminating instances. We're always launching new instances, right? 
if, if I tell you the server list, the inventory list right now, you know, five minutes later, it's going to be different, very different, right? So how do I do that? As an auditor, I, I don't know a lot of that new environment, right? Uh, and really, you know, I'm, I'm cheating here, right? Because down at the bottom, compliance is really, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to implement. I don't know. It's a brave new world, right? So bottom line is those different disciplines within the organization, again, team sport, right? Let's think as a team, how do we get through it, right? So um, I'm going to open it up really quickly to Matt real quick. Tell us your story. Yeah. Jive. I mean, much like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. We've experienced the same kind of thing. And uh, the inventory thing really struck home to me as well uh, because um, I'm assuming some of you at least are from the U.S. Uh, and our government isn't exactly known for moving at light speed. And one of the FedRAMP controls is essentially talking about inventory sheets, right? And it's like, are you kidding? Come on. As soon as I generate that, it's out of date. Um, but that, you know, I don't want to pick on FedRAMP, right? A lot of the controls and regulations that some of us are subject to are, in my mind, stuck in the past, right? And they're asking for things that 10 years ago would have been easy to generate and easy to keep up to date. But today, it's, it's impossible, right? You're asking for things that are no longer relevant, or you're asking for things that constantly change. Um, and to, you know, reemphasize your point about teamwork, um, it isn't like it is, was in the old days, right? Developers throwing stuff over the fence to operations who then tried to convince the auditors that what they were saying was true, and then who then convinced the CIO that the operation guides need more money to actually complete all the audits. Um, you know, but frankly, today, a lot of times, developers are the fence, and they're the operations, right. and they're the compliance guys. So everyone needs to work together to get to the point to where you need to be, and um, hopefully find an easy way to do that. Awesome. Easier way to do that. Awesome. So now that we've gone through and identified some of the security challenges uh, on the path uh, for our cloud adoption model, um, I'm going to talk next in the next few slides about what should be occurring in each one of these phases from the different perspectives, right? Um, what should I be doing? What are the sort of patterns that we've noticed? So, you know, we go out there and we talk to uh, awesome customers like Jive, you know, Matt, et cetera, you know, so, and, and we kind of take a, the pulse of, in, 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 in my travels as uh, being customer success, it's really about you know, what's our customer's security success, what's their compliance success. So we go and talk to a lot of our customers, and we kind of figured it out, and we've kind of bubbled it up into what we think you know, at Evident um, should be occurring in, in some of those phases. So uh, during the exploration phase, um, what should we be doing? What, what, what should SecOps be doing? Okay, so. Uh, during this phase, um, this is a great time for SecOps to start adopting policies. You know, what does it look like? Again, this is a team sport, right? So who writes the policies? Not necessarily SecOps, right? That's probably audit, somebody in audit, right? So again, team sport, right? We're adopting and we're adapting policies, right? That's the other thing, too, right? Just because a policy check worked in my data center doesn't mean it works in AWS, right? So. I'm kind of doing that translation you know, between, between what it looks like in my data center and what it looks like in, in the cloud. Uh, and I'm also doing this, a lot of us, right? A lot of us that are in SecOps, right? Raise your hand if you're in SecOps, right? You're a security person. Um, you know, tools, right? You know, this is kind of the fun phase. I like, I like, you know, like looking at tools and seeing how things automate, right? So I'm exploring tools. Um, I'm looking at the different things that are going to help me. Not all of my traditional security tools are going to work in AWS. Just know that off, offhand, right? I mean, you know, the, it's, it's a whole new world, right? It's, it's an API-driven world, right? Everything that I kind of, you know, gathered, you know, via syslog, et cetera, from routers and from, you know, you know firewalls, et cetera, right? Eh, that's not really how it works in AWS, right? So I got to start changing that mindset, and I got to start looking for tools that can help me out there, right? API-driven. Event-driven, you know, uh, CloudTrail, CloudWatch events, etc. Uh, so I'm looking at tools that help me out there. Uh, from a DevOps perspective, uh, what am I looking at uh, during the exploration phase? Um, adopting a security-first approach, right? Security doesn't isn't not is not the responsibility anymore of just the SecOps guy that's waking that's going to get woken up at two in the morning, right? Uh, that's not necessarily the responsibility anymore. Now we have a, a, a shared responsibility model. We've heard of the AWS shared security responsibility model, right? Have you guys heard about it? You guys familiar with it? Okay. 
So AWS takes care of stuff of the cloud. You take care of your stuff in the cloud. That's your responsibility. Um, so very big proponent. I'm a huge proponent of following a similar model inside of your organization. So this is where it comes from a shared security responsibility model between the security folks, between the DevOps folks, right? So I'm looking at here as a DevOps person as adopting security as part of my deployment pipeline. You know, testing for security. I, I, I run tests uh, against, you know, code, against uh, the artifacts that come out of the builds, et cetera, right? So why can't I test for security, right? So that's, that should be a part of the mindset. Um, also, um, learning what's available in AWS, right? I, I, you know, how many of you guys have kept up with all the announcements this week? <laughs> right? It's just tons. It's like, here's the fire hose, right? Uh, but a couple, mainly because we've been involved in some of them, but things like guard duty. Did you guys hear about guard duty, right? Uh, no. Some of some guard duty, amazing, uh, amazing service. Um, we're a launch day partner for it. So basically, visi getting visibility at the edge, at the network edge of AWS, right? If port 22 is open to the world in a security group, how do I know that that port is being attacked? How do I know that it's being compromised, right? That's the kind of thing to the, it could, Because it's open. Because it's open, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, port yeah, 22, yeah. come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know it's, if it's open, it's yeah, getting attacked, right? For sure. But now I have measurable data. Yeah. Now you can prove it. <laughs> that is me, yeah. Like it's, it, where does it come? You know, and, and, and true story, so just a little bit on guard duty, right, um, itself. Uh, we, we were, in, you know, we were, again, launch day partners, so we were doing some R&D with uh, the service uh, uh, in, the, in the couple of months leading up. And uh, we so we were doing some experimentation with the API, and we launched an EC2 instance uh, that had uh, port 22 open. We did this on purpose to test, you know, regarding the service. We have to test the service. Uh, and it's interesting because from the time, again, not scientific, so disclaimer here, right? So results may vary. <laughs> Um, but just from our initial sort of experimentation in R&D, when we opened up an EC2 security group, uh, from that moment in time to the time when guard duty told us that we, we were being port scanned was less than a day. I mean, we're talking hours, right? So but it was neat to actually see that, right? And then from the time of the port scan to the time of an actual SSH brute force attack, was even less time. I mean, it was just like, once somebody figured out, you know, they were running their big massive end maps or whatever it is they were doing, right, port scanning me, um, we, were, we started getting attacked. So what I'm saying here, I'm, and I'm bringing it back uh, to our presentation, is that there was the big, huge fire hose of services announced by AWS. It's now your job when you go home, when you go back to the office on Monday or Tuesday, if you take, you know, a day, a day or two off from Vegas, <laughs> um, how do I digest that, right? I need to digest that, because what can I take advantage of that AWS has given to us as services on top of the rest of my tool sets and on top of the rest of the things that I have to worry about, right? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to take advantage here. So learning what's available in AWS. And then from an audit perspective, learning plans and impact of deployments, meaning, like, how am I going to look at controls during the deployment lifecycle, during the product lifecycle, right? How do, I, how do I insert probes and tests and results and that kind of stuff into the environment, right? How do I go read the environment? How do I make sure that, you know, that it stays compliant, right? So that's the kind of stuff that we're, that we're looking at. Um, what's inherited from AWS from a compliance perspective? How do I know what AWS is saying makes me compliant on AWS, right? So uh, this is where you're looking at things like the compliance reports from AWS. This is where you're looking at, okay, if I look at the PCI report, which how many of you guys have looked at it, the PCI report from AWS, right? It's, it's pretty well documented, right? I mean, it's like it tells me what AWS is responsible for. It tells me what we're both responsible for, the shared responsibility. And it also tells me what I'm solely responsible for. So it's having a plan from an audit perspective. It's having a plan and working with your DevOps and SecOps folks to test against to make sure that I really am checking and testing the controls that 
I'm responsible for, right? So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there for you to do a lot of research during this phase of the implementation and the, and the maturity cycle. All right, where do I start? This is, I, I, I get this question a lot, right? Um, two things, I didn't include it in, the, in a slide, but security by design, from a security perspective, this is a great place to start. This is where you start you know, figuring out how do I design my architecture, again, for those of you architects out there, how do I design the architecture uh, to make sure that I take security first into account? From the DevOps perspective, how do I, how do I implement my CI CD pipeline to make sure that things are secure? How do I test those things? Um, also, another great resource um, that I didn't put up here, but you can definitely look it up, uh, well-architected, AWS well-architected is another great resource for you to take a look at. Um, so absolutely, there's a lot of great documentation that AWS has put out there for us uh, to go make sure that we're, you know, we're secure by design and we're not always behind the eight ball. All right, so I'm gonna open it up to Matt. Implement how did that? How did that look for Jive when you guys were implementing? So, funnily enough, um, when I was recruited to Jive to run the FedRAMP program, um, and I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you, but uh, when I got there, um, my boss basically said, "Look, I want you to build a team. I want you to run this. I want you to take it all the way until we get certified. Um, but until we're ready to start hiring people, by the way, I want you to run the infrastructure security group. You know, surprise! Now that you're here, <laughs> and you work for me. And so, I want to talk a little bit about John's point. Um, you know. The company at the time obviously had a huge commercial footprint. Um, there was no way I was going to hire enough people to do all the security operations for infrastructure <coughs> security. So we really tried to get to the point, and you know, we're still working on it, we'll always be working on it, to where we were uh, integrated into those workflows and really provided that information to the DevOps guys to make decisions, right? Like we would consult with them about architecture or possible um, deployment decisions, and then we would use products to essentially audit those decisions after they were deployed to say, hey, look, we'd like you to do this a different way. But in no way was I going to hire enough people to actually go and do that work. Um, besides totally breaking separation of privilege, if you tried to do that, you know, that's not, that's not us, right? We're not the experts. We're not responsible for that. We're responsible to let them know how they should be doing it and work with them. How do we get to where we need to be, right? So when the auditors come and say, hey, Matt, where's your logs for the last year? I can say, oh, here they are, instead of like, uh, you <laughs> sorry. Don't, you don't look at your auditor like, <laughs> oh, I have my T-shirt, right? They're not the auditor from the Black Lagoon. Uh, right, <laughs> right. And, you know, I mean, everyone wants that conversation with auditors or with yeah. your CISO. You know, no one wants to have the conversation, why do we get breached, right. Right? right? Everyone wants to have the conversation where it's like, where is this? Here it is, right? Awesome. The less questions, the easier it is. Everyone goes home at night awesome. and doesn't stay the whole day, so... <laughs> That's my experience. Yeah, I like sleep. <laughs> I Big like fan sleep. Of sleep. <laughs> All right. So we're now at the implementation phase, right? What does it look like? What am, what am I do? What are, what are the things that I'm doing here during the implementation phase? Okay. From a security ops perspective, SecOps perspective, I'm starting to automate security. I'm starting to uh, make tests in the environment, and this is not just compliance, right? You know, it, we have we have our philosophy at Evident is that. It, for us, compliance is security-driven, meaning that if I'm taking care of my security, I can apply 100% of those tests to make sure that I'm compliant, right? So start with security, go to compliance, see, compliance, sorry. Um, so this is where I'm starting to automate that. This is where I'm starting to write scripts, I'm starting to buy products that help me out here. Uh, this, this is that phase, uh, and... Um, I'm also starting to make assessments um, of my environments, right? I've, I've already gone and, um, you know, maybe I've, I've already implemented my architecture on AWS. Maybe I'm already going out there and running in production. Uh, so I'm doing those assessments. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're just still, you know, uh, figuring it out, right? So you're doing a lot of dry runs, right? Uh, making the assessments, right? Gaining visibility. So I talked a little bit earlier in the, in, in the visibility Kind of, kind of view, right? Um, I talked about the shared responsibility model inside of your organization. If you're SecOps, how do you know that your developers are responsible for their security in their AWS accounts, right? How do I know, right? As a SecOps person, the only real way I can think about this is that I give them visibility, right? Here it is. You know, I give them a way of not just looking at my security, and the controls thereof, and what's going wrong, and 
you know, what's going right, but I also give them the path to fix that problem, right? I give them the tools to be able to do that, right? So that's what I mean by full visibility, is that it's not just me as a responsible SecOps person, it's, I'm, you know, I'm sharing that with the people actually running those AWS accounts. Because may, maybe that in your environment, you know, you just don't have one big monolithic AWS account. Maybe you have 10 AWS accounts. Maybe you have 500 AWS accounts, right? How do I, how do I give visibility and gain visibility across all of that fleet? Um, from a DevOps perspective, um, again, it goes to a lot of process. It goes to a lot of best practices. Uh, when I'm actually deploying, et cetera, right? We, talked, we talk, definitely talked about uh, the aspects of making security part of my CI/CD pipeline. Uh, and from an audit pers uh, perspective, uh, when I'm implementing, I'm performing periodic tests on the environment, right? I'm taking a look at, maybe I'm still going through quarterly audits uh, or, you know, semi-annual audits. I'm not really, like, you know, uh, doing things on a per-minute basis. Uh, but, you know, I'm actually tracking and I'm following best practices and I'm, you know, identifying what's going wrong, <laughs> what's, what resources are failing, you know, what needs, what's the remediation program look like, et cetera. So that's what I'm doing from an audit perspective. Um, all right, so, again, huge believer in automation. Um, I'm a huge believer that, you know, we can use the cloud. I talked a little bit earlier about taking advantage of AWS and everything that it has to offer. So that means that from a policy perspective, I can implement my policies as code, right? There's several approaches to this. You know, there, there's, uh, there's the actual coding uh, way of uh, doing this. So, you know, writing and implementing my policies as, an, as actual executable code uh, is in the example. That's kind of the, the approach that we at Evident have taken, you know, giving you the full strength and power uh, to be able to write your code. Um, and and th there's, also, uh, there's also other ways of, you know, implementing policies. So I can, do, uh, I can do, like, for example, define policies and things like YAML and JSON and things like that, right? Uh, so a much more structured approach. Um, but if we look here, um, I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm bringing it down to the place of where, you know, the DevOps folks understand, the developers understand this. Here's my policy. Here's what I'm going to do. So, the policy states that I need to ensure that the default security group restricts all traffic, right? So here's how I go and write this. This is the policy. This is the policy we're implementing. How is a DevOps person go and implement that, right? So a couple of examples, right? You know, I'm looking at uh, the security group. Is it the default security group? What's the group ID, you know? And I'm making a test. So uh, this is an example, by the way, of uh, our signatures language here. Um, so, uh, uh, in our world, signatures are actually policy tests, so they're, they're something that I've implemented as policy and gone and go tested. So, very simple, right? You know, if I, I go list all the security groups, I then go and test the permissions of those security groups here, and then I make a determination. You know, if it's any of this stuff, I'm passing, right? It's, it's a pretty simple kind of test, right? If those are the conditions. I'm going to pass state. If they don't pass, you know, I go and make sure that I mark it as a fail. And what happens after this? So in our implementation of this, we go and generate alerts. So this test now is a fail, right? You know, the, the passes are important, right? You, as auditors, we still like to see what's passing. We still like to see how our remediation programs are being implemented and being followed, right? But we do want to allow here, again, this is a policy, but this is actually useful for security folks as well, right? Because I can go take this fail alert that we've generated now and go do something with it, right? First, I may be like manually remediating things, uh, but then later on I'm going to talk about how we can go and automate all of that, right? Even the remediation side of it. So. That's just the example of implementing policy as code. Um, come on, here we go. All right, so the question is now, how do I know where I stand? This is a sample compliance report uh, from our platform. Uh, this is telling me as an auditor that, okay, here's, here's all of the different controls that are testable in AWS. I'm not saying that, you know, if we give you a score of 100%, you're, you're completely compliant, right? What I'm telling you is that 
of the testable controls in AWS, we've helped you automate testing the things that are relevant for AWS, the things that are testable, right? Um, and so I can really quickly here, um, we generate this data in near real time, um, but we also paint these reports to our customers you know, on a once an hour basis, so you can at the hour go look at how am I compliant, right? How many of us did that? Auditors, SecOps folks, how many of us knew if I was compliant or not on a per hour basis in my data center? In my data center, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, the, the, again, folks, this is the advantage of being in the cloud, right? It's, I can go automate this testing, I can go and take the pulse of how I am right now, right? So it's literally that. So, and then I can go compare by the different teams, you know, I can see which teams is an auditor, right? I can go see which teams are, you know, doing better and which teams are not doing as good, right? Uh, I can definitely go and, again, it's not a, it's not a you know, I wanna create a list of, uh, you know, bad people in my, in, in my organization. I just gotta, I gotta stay on top of this stuff, right? I gotta make sure so that I can go work with team eight you know, which they're only 30% compliant. You know, they're only 30%, uh, uh, they're not really doing too good, right? <laughs> so, bottom line, go for this it. This is exactly how we yeah. use it. Um, if you actually look at this as benchmarks, some of them are good, some of them are not so good. Um, you can obviously choose what you follow or what you don't follow. Mm -hmm. We use a combination of CloudFormation and Ansible to enforce those checks and consistently enforce those checks on the host. And then, uh, you know, we use um, tools like Gemini.io to essentially double check ourselves, right? So if someone commits a change that just happens to break one of the syschecks, uh, one of our uh, fail-safes will catch that and alert us that something else needs to happen. So we use all of our automation tools to essentially enforce them, and then tools like Kevin.io to basically fail-safe, double-check things and make sure that um, what we thought was happening is actually happening. Awesome. Right? And to your earlier point. I'm so there, there, oh, did, did uh, he lost the mic? Can we go to uh, handheld? Oh. <laughs> they lost you. Repeat the whole thing. Oh, yeah. No, it's no, no. <laughs> better now. Much better. Okay. Well, if you didn't hear it, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I can attest that it was awesome. <laughs> uh, what I was trying to say is, uh, we use tools like this as fail safes. So we've automated virtually everything that we do, or we try to, um, as I assume most of you do. Um, and so we use tools like Ansible and, and CloudFormation to essentially consistently enforce the checks on the hosts. Uh, and then we use tools like what uh, John is talking about to essentially fail-safe us. So if we implement a check that we um, unknowingly break a syscheck or one of the other regulations that we're subject to, we're going to use tools like this to make sure that we catch that and fix it before um, it gets too far. And to John's earlier point about automation, I mean, I came up when you know, you bought a server and you had a paper checklist and you filled it out and you put it in a binder and when the auditors asked you, you said, look, here's the checklist I did a year ago. Mm. No one's changed, right? It's fine. Um, and everything was bespoke and everything was handmade and life was great. And now we're at a point where I think um, most people are where things are spun up, spend their life, and get destroyed without a human ever touching them. So the idea of doing things manually is <coughs> ludicrous, right? You need automated solutions that do this, maybe not remediate it for you, that still freaks me out. You guys might have different <laughs> opinions. But I at least want to know, right, and try and figure out what's going on in my environment, in an environment where machines, like I said, come up, go down, and the human never touches them. Awesome. All right. Now, in the cloud adoption maturity model, I'm now at the optimization phase. I have done the research. I've done the implementation. I think I have a pretty good approach to security and compliance in, in AWS. Now, how do I get to the next step, right? This is, this is the step that a lot of us, you know, that come from uh, the world of like, you know, I want to bake in my golden image, you know, I, I, things don't change or they shouldn't change, you know. That obviously isn't the case in AWS, right? That's not the case in the cloud, right? So uh, how do I go to the next level and optimize, right? How do I go and make sure that my compliance is always on track. You know, the, so during this phase, our SecOps folks are automating enforcement of policies. That this is where we're just like, we're like, and, and, and to Matt's point, right, it may not be necessarily everything, right? I may not want to automate the enforcement of certain things. 
you know, um, it, it just depends. You know, what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, if you go and automate uh, the closing of an open port 22 check, right, you know, where port 22 is wide open to the world, if I go and automate that, or even worse, that, that's a bad example, let's say port 80 or 443, right? Uh, if I, what, what happens if I go and find 443 open to the world in a security group, and I decide to automatically close it? <laughs> there goes my service, right? I'm done. Outage time. Yeah, well, I mean, the business I'm in, we depend on that being open, so <laughs> right. that'd be a quick way for you to find a new job. Right. <laughs> so what I'm saying here is that you got to pick and choose, right? So um, talking with a lot of our customers, one approach, and in, this, in the vein of what we're talking about here today, one approach is what are the most common problems that arise, right? So if I'm automating my checking, you know, maybe you're one of our awesome customers. I would love to have you as a customer and you're using our platform. Um, you know, you're kind of bubbling up the trends of what's the thing that happens the most in my environment, right? Maybe that's one tack to take, you know, where I'm, I'm automating the closing of, of issues that arise, security issues that arise. That's the most common pitfall that we run into. Um, that's one. Another one, another tack to take, you know, for you auditors out there, is that maybe I want to go enforce certain controls, you know, remediation of certain controls uh, for a particular compliance standard. You know, uh, you know I, I, I don't know, some you know, networking uh, issue that comes up, et cetera, right? Uh, that, that's another tack to take, you know, where I work with our SecOps folks to automate those things. Um, and it's not necessarily always going to be remediation either, right? That's the kind of the, the example that we like to talk about. Uh, but it could be other, other aspects of security that, you know, I'm enforcing the policy thereof. It could be that auto automating uh, policy enforcement looks like I go and send my alerts that I generate, send them off to a workflow in my ticketing system, right? And it does things in the back end, right? So that, that could be part of... Uh, automating of uh, uh, policies. Um, so in the DevOps side, it's automating workflows to validate before, you know, Matt talked about CloudFormation, right? Before things happen, right? Before, you know, I go out and make my deployment. Um, so uh, always being ahead, you know, being, being ahead of uh, the, the issues. Uh, from an audit perspective, we showed you guys a little bit earlier, uh, what the scoring looked like in our platform, right? So making sure that the scorecards uh, are, you know, the issues are improving, right? Or if, if they're not improving, if something's going on wrong, why? Right? Talking to the product teams as to why that's happening. So a couple things here. Here's a, a, uh, one of a, a continuous uh, life cycle uh, that, I've, that I've written up here. Um, this is what it looks like. Um, what I would say kind of like a manual. Uh, some things are automated, like maybe my testing is automated. Uh, and let me go get my uh, laser pointer here. So maybe in some cases, you know, I'm like going out here and monitoring the environment. Uh, I'm analyzing, I'm looking at all of the different tests. You know, I've, I've, I have the scorecard, you know, I'm passing 80%. Uh, I, maybe I create an alert. You know, I alert the developer, I alert uh, the SecOps person. And then I go apply fixes, right? And then it kind of continues and continues for every release cycle. It continues in between release cycles, et cetera. Uh, what does it look like from an, uh, an, an enforcement of automation? So, um, so let's look at here. So I'm kind of doing almost the same stuff, but look at this. I, again, taking advantage of the AWS platform, right? I'm employing the tools at my disposal, right? So I can go trigger a Lambda function you know, to go and be my bot uh, and help me out and go remediate, right? So, uh, and it just kind of continues and continues because you want to make sure that, you know, you're not just designing ahead of time and you're not just testing ahead of time, but if there is the human factor, right? You know, there is a change that happens, you know, that's going to take you out of remediation, it's going to make you less secure, you want to go and fix it for certain things. All right, so um, here's a um, workflow, a technical workflow now. Um, of what that looks like from an architectural perspective. Um, so in here again, you know, I have, I have uh, my, my product up here, uh, my platform up here. So in our case, we go and generate alerts. We use kind of a pretty native, uh, 
pretty native workflow for AWS, right? So we're triggering SNS messages. You know, we're sending those out uh, from, from these alerts that I was talking about earlier, right? Uh, then we're, from there, we're triggering a Lambda function that goes, does something for me. Um, again, in the example I'm going to show in a, in a second here, you're going to see some Python code of what that looks like. Uh, and then once, once I'm auto-remediated, you know, I go back into the control plane and I test again. So it kind of like continues, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a continuous cycle. And then down at the bottom here, you know, I have logs, right? I have a record of all of the things that have been not just tested and failed, but I have a record of the things that have been fixed, right? So I go and complete the loop uh, uh, to make sure that I'm enforcing in an automated fashion. So here's, here's a sample for a PCI control. Um, where I want to restrict inbound and outbound traffic, uh, what, what that looks like, right? Um, so the code here, the policy enforcement, looks like this. I've generated an alert, sent the JSON message out, and now I've ingested it as part of the SNS message on the topic, and I'm closing the loop here, right? I'm actually going and making some testing here again, you know, and here's the meat of it, right? This is what scares Matt right there. Revoke security group ingress, <laughs> right? It's that call. But that's just an example, right? That's the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this for our customers as a sample, right? Here's something you could do. You could do other things. You know, you could, you could maybe, instead of revoking the security group ingress rules, you could possibly change the rules, right? Make it so that I remove, you know, quad zero, and instead I put in, you know, corporate address, egress, IP address or something like that. So Matt. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I'd love to be in a day where I just wake up, look at my phone and go, oh, thanks for fixing it. And I go back to sleep, right? But uh, at this point, at least in the, uh, our journey, we're at a stage where all the setup and control and continuous day-to-day -day stuff is all automated. So if we see something that doesn't match, we're very interested to find out why, yeah. right? So is that something that we didn't anticipate and needs to be built into the automation? Um, uh, you know, one of the issues that I have with remediation as a whole is sometimes if implemented um, rashly, it'll tend to hide problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to yep. do something that maybe should be done, but you're automatically remediating it. And if you don't notice that pattern, then you're just hurting yep. yourself. But uh, remediation certainly has a role and a, uh, a role to play in all of our architectures. Um, but, you know, maybe one day. It'd be great. Right. right. Awesome. Or certain parts of it. Yeah. You know, if you just want to send me a check, and that'd be fine. <laughs> awesome. All right, so just, uh, just by show, well, actually, let me, let me go through my next slide, and then I'll ask a question. So here's kind of a full circle life cycle, right? A little bit um, wider than the previous uh, picture that I showed you guys there um, with the, the messaging um, workflow. Uh, this is a, kind of a total workflow where, you know, I'm, I'm going out, getting the reports, I'm getting the, the alert messaging out, I'm fixing it kind of to the Python code that I just showed you guys. Uh, the... The dashboard over here on the evidence side is being updated. Yes, I fixed it. I've confirmed it. Audit can see that it's been remediated. Uh, and then, you know, I'm over here tracking, you know, the ticketing. I'm tracking the compliance reports, et cetera. You know, again, resolved, right? So that, that's kind of the thing. So the question is, uh, go back. The question to you folks is, how many of you guys are fully automated? That's okay, right? You have opportunity to grow, right? How many of you guys have implemented some automation, you know, where you're, you're taking care of your problems, right? Uh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to see. So um, now we're going to switch a little bit over and talk about kind of bad stuff, right? Now, I, you know, it's not all roses. It's not all, you know, it's not all happy faces and stuff. Unicorns, you know, flying everywhere. Um, here's some common pitfalls that we've run against. This is us talking to our customers. Um, not involving policymakers in each step as the project is deployed, right? So if I'm going to go adopt cloud, right, in today's world, maybe, you know, eight years ago when I was, you know, doing cloud in the brave new world, right, we didn't really take our auditors into account, right? We just went and did. <laughs> but today, one common pitfall is not involving audit, right? Auditors in, here in the group, right, how many of you guys would love for your developers as they're adopting AWS to talk to you from the beginning? Right? Big, huge hand raised over there, right? Absolutely, right? Not involving policymakers is a problem, right? Because here, and here, and now I'm going to talk to, you know, my folks over here on the DevOps side, right? 
Do you want to tell you want to be you want to be told that your environment is non-compliant for PCI, you know, six months after you've already gone into production, or would you like to know that before, right? <laughs> and then have to go rewrite everything again, right? So that's what I'm getting at, right? Again, team sport. Remember that. Number two, forgetting that incidents happen will derail timelines, right? Incidents happen. Take into account that things will happen. You know, you may get an API access key breached because somebody decided to put it up on an open S3 bucket. It happens, right? It's happened. How many, well, it's happened to me. How many of you guys ended up fixing an, an, S, an access key in an S3 bucket, right? I'll admit, it's happened to us before, right? So it, or, it happens. Or uh, uploaded to GitHub. Or, or, or uh, GitHub, or et cetera, et cetera, right? <laughs> so, you know, that, that's a pretty common thing that can happen. Take that into account into your timelines. Take that into account that incidents will happen. And for those of you SecOps folks that are in here, right, how many three in the morning incident calls have you been in? Never, right? Yeah, it never happens. All right. <laughs> uh, number three, treating the cloud exactly like my data center, right? Uh, I, I have to say, in, in, my, in my time doing cloud work, probably the worst project I ever worked on was a lift and shift. Again, none of us do that, right? Wait, <laughs> laugh. What's, what's a lift and shift, right? It's a lift and shift is I'm taking my data center design, it's all servers, right? And I'm, as it lies in my data center, I try to go and force it into you know, the round hole, right? And you know, that's not really a recipe for success. You know, the things could happen. Because look, I'm not taking advantage of a lot of the benefits of moving to the cloud. Like I'm not, I may not be doing multi-AZ you know, for availability. I may not be using ALBs the right way, you know, because I'm, you know, staying old school or whatever, right? You know, so don't do this. Please take the time to re-architect. Please take the time to design well. Number four, it's just an experiment, right? We've seen this one before. Have you seen this one, Matt? Uh, sadly, <laughs> yes. That happens too often, right? No, it's just an experiment, and the next thing you know, you're getting paged for it, and the guy who wrote it is gone because he's on to bigger and better things, and right. just an experiment turns out to be no architecture, no security, right. no automation, right. but a bill. Yeah. <laughs> and the comment in the code says, I wrote it this way so I could read it. I've seen that one before, actually. That's literally something I've seen. <laughs> or even better, I'll fix this later. <laughs> yeah, I'll fix this later. That's another goodie, right? So, yes, you know, not not realizing, you know, and not planning, and not, you know, making sure this doesn't happen, <laughs> right? All right. And then the, the next common pitfall that we have here is I'm an engineer looking for solutions, right? Or building solutions looking for problems, right? It's, it's, it's you know, I, I think if you're an engineer, you're guilty of this by default. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I, I love building stuff, right? So, um, those are some of the things. Um, I'm going to open it up to Matt. You know, Matt, tell us, you know, where are you guys at? You know, t tell us a little bit about what you've learned on your, on your uh, road uh, to compliance. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, like we mentioned before, when I was recruited to run this project, there wasn't anything, right? So we had to take it from zero all the way up to um, a platform that we believe could be certified. And as a matter of fact, two years later, not all of which, honestly, was spent on FedRAMP compliance, where you are in the certification phase or as some of you know what that means, we're in process. And um, one of the things that was pretty apparent early on was although Jive was super serious about getting there, Jive was not super serious about spending millions and millions of dollars to get there because it, it was a gamble and it still is. And so um, you know, we tried to find and partner with vendors who could fill in gaps in our story. Uh, and one of those vendors obviously was Evan.io and we partnered with them pretty early on in the process to, uh, and we encouraged you guys to come up with a rule set that would check our NIST 853, which makes up, frankly, the backbone of FedRAMP compliance when you think about um, regulations. Uh, because, um, and I think I explained this before, you know, we do a lot of automation to bring things up and keep things running, but we want a, a fail-safe, a backstop. Um, and it's also great that Evan.io gives me this snazzy little PDF that I can just hand someone and say, hey, look how cool we are. Um, not to say that things were all roses, right? There are still checks that I argue with John about, and I say this is not the way you should be doing that, and he says, but that is the way we're doing it, so deal with it. And you know, <laughs> I, I deal with it in my own way. Um, and we're primarily implemented on GovCloud, 
which, uh, as you guys know, is just a small, small fraction of the services available on the commercial side, and also has a bunch of idiosynchronies that don't exist. So, you know, we did, we work with Evan.io on an ongoing basis to fix things that we believe are broken or should work a different way, and, um, you know, we would try to partner with them as, as best as available. Nothing's perfect, nothing's 100%, um, but if you can find something that, frankly, does a lot of the dredge work for you, um, you should take advantage of it if you can. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Um, just really quickly, um, we are at booth 2000, so if you're interested in taking a look at evident.io, here's the commercial, I'm in full, full disclosure here. Um, we are at booth 2000, we'd be happy to talk to you. If you are a customer of ours already, thank you very much. Uh, but we can definitely talk to you guys about compliance in AWS, we can talk to you guys about evident.io and our platform that we run. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank you very much for coming. I really appreciate you guys for coming. We're going to open it up to questions for the next few minutes. We're almost up on time, but um, if you guys have any questions, please let us know. We're here. Yes, sir. Uh, let me get your microphone here. So if we don't have time to make it over to your booth, uh, do you guys work through, like, a uh, marketplace AMI or something like that? Or Right. So for you guys that didn't hear, the question was, do we have a marketplace AMI? Yes, we do. We do have a marketplace AMI. You know, I, our, our, our sort of default solution is our SaaS platform, but we do have a marketplace AMI. You know, just like with anything that you run out of the marketplace in an AMI version, it's going to be a static version, obviously, right? You know, where you have to maintain. That's the other part of it. You have to go and run the software in instances, et cetera, right? So that's the biggest difference. But we how, do. How does your SaaS platform have visibility into uh, customer AMI, uh, AWS environments? Your customer environments? So the question is, how do we have visibility into your environments? Is that we go and ask you to create an IAM role and give us third-party access to that role, go apply the security audit policy, that uh, IAM policy that AWS manages, so it's a managed policy, and then we go and make the assume role call. So we're using STS. We're never asking you for API access keys at all. So that's how we go do it. It's very simple. Um, and then we can automate that as well. So thank you. Any other questions? And that's exactly how we've implemented it. And I can attest that's definitely the way to go. Don't, don't do the AMI. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. <laughs> Awesome. Well, if there's no other questions, we have a few minutes. We'll be up here. So thank you all very much for coming. Enjoy the rest of reInvent. Thank you. <laughs>